uh, really to choose your own topic and do a study about uh, how you would like God to speak to you. It could be a number of things. It could be, I want to study guidance or how does God speak to us as a family? It could be, how do I discern God's voice from anxieties or other fears that I have? It could be, how do you hear God about your calling in life? So just, you, you find somewhere where you think you really need to, to grow and then do your own little study. Give me a two-page or more uh, report. That's our midterm, so you can do that. Even if you're not taking for credit, you'd like to write a little teaching, it'll be a blessing, I'm sure, for you. So wanted to mention that as well. Um, so yeah, we have these handouts and we began to talk last week about uh, hearing God through Scripture and our, our theme in this study has been in Luke 24 where Jesus spent time with these disciples after His resurrection and He spoke to them in five different ways. He spoke to them through uh, through intimate friendship, just as they walked and talked. He, he spoke to them through uh, what I call ex-Jesus, the Scriptures. He spoke to them through His still small voice. He spoke through the communion. And He spoke through their friendships. But we're really focusing in on this idea of Jesus took the time and says, starting at the beginning, He took them all through the Scripture to see Him and his prophecies. And it says after they went through the whole scripture, their eyes were open and they finally recognized Jesus. And so we said that we believe that though God speaks in many ways, dreams, revelations, visions, his favorite way to speak to us is through the scripture. The scripture is, is the telescope that gives us God's perspective. It's the megaphone by which we hear God speaking and it is his preference if our hearts are ready to speak to us. I just wanted to read this verse from Nehemiah 8. I thought this is a great example. Uh, one of the things Jonathan Edwards said is wherever revival has happened, you can tell it's coming because people fall in love with God's word again. Mm -hmm. They start to tremble at God's word. They're just in love. If, and, and all of a sudden that allows God to do more in a person or a church than he's ever done before. And that happened in the book of Nehemiah. And I thought this was beautiful. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. I thought that was pretty neat. Man, the word is being preached. Yes, sir, I am on my feet, you know. Um, so they read distinctly from the book of the law of God. And that's a key way of teaching. Try to just teach the scripture as clearly as you can. There is a way in studying and hearing Scripture that opens our hearts to an encounter with Jesus, we said earlier. So they, they begin to give sense and help them understand the reading. Then all the people answered, Amen and Amen, while lifting up their hands. Wouldn't that be good? Man, you hear the Word of God and you're just going, Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, I, I, I want you to know your preacher won't mind it at all. <laughs> And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And, and revival came. The Spirit came. So I just want you to see how powerful, if our hearts are ready, the Word of God can be. As I said last week, just by review, the reason God wants to speak through Scripture the most is because it'll be the most lasting word in your soul. 
He likes to codify it on your heart. Hebrews, uh, we said that. Hebrews, it says that he will write his laws. Hebrews 10, 16. He wants to write the word on your heart. Why? Because what you thought you heard God say, you might forget, but the word never changes. <laughs> you can always go back to that. I described it as the stones in David's bag. When the giants come, what do you need? You need God said. And you need to have it right there because that will take down the enemy. That's what Jesus did when he said to Satan, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. It is written. I, I think that should be a daily experience every Christian has. Somewhere your day tomorrow, some weird thought will come, whatever it is. And I hope that your first re response is, it is written. <laughs> I will rejoice in the Lord always, or whatever it is, wow. uh, because that is, is so powerful. We talked, and we'll talk more about this, the idea of how does the word go from the head to the heart? Um, we said the key to the Bible is not you reading the Bible, but letting the Bible read you. Mm -hmm. And that is the opening to the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.16 said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly deeply, thoroughly saturate you, baptize you, soak you in Him. And one of the things we said last week, and we'll come back, we talked about this, this old practice, Lectio Divina, and it's a practice of praying the Scripture that's been used by people in different societies for, for since the beginning. And Mark Batterson said, the Bible wasn't meant to be just read through, it was meant to be prayed through. <laughs> and so if I could encourage you in anything, by the way, we're going to get 14 Sephora's on here and she's helped us copy. We have the Sword of the Spirit, all these Bible prayers. And starting maybe next week, it'll be available in Spanish too. It got translated in Spanish. So if you know someone who'd like a Spanish version of that, it'll be available next week. Um, what I what I... What I want to do for this week and into a little bit next week is when you look at Luke 24, you see that Jesus doesn't just quote a few passages to him, to, to his disciples, but rather he takes them almost meticulously through the word. I mean, no, there's, there's a time when you need a quick word, but what you really need is to develop the habit of pondering through the scripture and getting the whole picture of the word it, it's not meant to just be given an inspirational you know 50 second shots that's good but if your life is going to be changed you need to go deeper you need to here it is 2nd Timothy 2.15 study to show yourself approved to God a workman that needs not be ashamed Rightly dividing. The word there, rightly dividing, the word of truth means interpretation and application. It means you you don't just read it, you explain it, and you apply it. And that takes a special skill that a Christian must learn. And that's the skill we want to talk about, is the skill of, you know, and again, biblical words, you know, since this is a Bible school, we use it, exegesis, which means extract from. <laughs> it means digging for pearls. Uh, that's what exegesis means. The other word, hermeneutics, 
Who's Herman? No, hermeneutics is the science of interpretation. Understanding and interpreting the original meaning and how it can be accurately applied to today's uh, context. Just a few more motivational things I, I like to say. Why do you want to go deep? Uh, notice this. Next page, we learned 5% of what we just hear, we remember. 50% uh, of what we read, 35% of what we read and study, 57% of what we see, experience through an example. In other words, if you're around someone who lives the Bible, you're twice as likely to get it. <laughs> yeah. 80% of what we learn and teach. You know what? The best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. That's why I'm challenging all of you. You're going to learn the skills so you can teach a Bible study. You'll learn more by teaching <laughs> than you ever did by listening. Amen. 90% of what you learn, teach. Now, if you really want to go big, memorize. Now you get 90%. If you memorize a verse, if you hear a sermon, you meditate on it, you teach it, and then you memorize a verse. Now you're at 90%. But 100%, if you learn, teach, memorize, and put it into practice. So that's the goal that we really have. Uh, my conviction, there will never be a single activity that will bring more value, joy, strength to every area of your life than the investment of the time, energy, and effort to saturate yourself in God's Word. There's an interesting verse in Hebrews 5.13. You may have seen it. Uh, I don't have it in your notes, but you can either look it up or reflect on it. It says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the Word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, maturity, who by reason of use have put their senses to work to exercise both discerning good and evil. You know what he's saying? If you want to go from a baby Christian to a mature Christian, you need to know how to feed yourself. Right. It's great to go to, to, you know, to the church Bible sermon cafe and let someone prepare you a good meal. But it's even better if you go home and cook it up yourself. There was a, a sign. Someone was touring Yellowstone National Park and everywhere they kept saying, seeing signs, don't feed the bears. And uh, someone asked the ranger, why did you say that? They said, you know, last year we had, I forget what it was, 50 or so bears died. Why did they die? Because the tourists just fed them every day and they, as little cubs, they never learned to hunt or feed for themselves. Right. <laughs> and when all of a sudden the tourists weren't there, they starved to death. <laughs> and, and you know what I'm saying? It's great to hear sermons, but if you don't feed yourself, <laughs> you're going to be limited. And, and the Bible also just teaches that to the degree... We, we go into depth with the word to that degree the impact and fruitfulness of our life will multiply remember Jesus talked about the seeds that are thrown on the ground some bear no fruit the enemy just takes them out some start to grow but they're like plants in shallow ground and, and they wither and some get choked by weeds but there are these and some of them produce fruit some 30, some 60, some 100 fold I did the math on that. I found out only 8% of all people who hear the word are what I call the 8%ers who get 100% return 
on what God puts in them. You know what I said when I figured that out? God, let me be an eight percenter. <laughs> I don't even want to be. I don't care about thirty percent. I want to be maximum transformation. And He says it all has to do with this: hearing the word, they nurture and cultivate it deeply into their soul, and they draw every ounce of truth they can out of the word that God speaks to them by hearing, studying, and putting it into practice. So let me ask you, how many want to be eight percenters? All right, all right, a hundredfold return in your life. That's what I believe for all of you. We talked a little bit about the soap last week, so I won't go through that. I, there's, this is actually a whole seminar I taught, so don't worry, we're not going to cover all this thick notebook today, all right? <laughs> we'll jump around and then we'll do it again next week some, but... Just a few things. The Bible is a book of 66 books, 40 authors covering a period of 1,600 years, divided between two covenants or testaments. It is a coherent, inspired, personal revelation of God to mankind. All Scripture is inspired. That word means breathed. It is the breath of God. And why is that so important? Because what God speaks, uh, it never... It never stops. Remember God said, let there be light. I don't know if we have any physics people in here that can explain this, but how many know the universe, the light is still traveling? <laughs> there are still new universes. I mean, it was spoken however long ago, and it never stopped traveling. It's creating, it's working, and hallelujah. And that's what the Word of God does in us. Um, it's by the Holy Spirit. The next... The next page, just a few things. The, the, the seven different sections of the Bible, and if we have time to get to them, you read all seven of these differently because they're a different kind of literature. How many know you don't read poetry like you read history? <laughs> Those are two different things. And so if you try to read the Song of Solomon like the book of Matthew, it'll get weird. Anyhow, I, I'll come to that later. Um, so you have the law. Genesis through Deuteronomy, the history, the poetry, the prophets, the gospels, the epistles, which means letters. Someone who wasn't in the church very long said, you know what the epistles are? Yeah, they're the wives of the apostles. No, <laughs> epistles are, are letters. And then you have the apocalyptic or eschatological, which is the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel telling us about the end time. There's six things the Bible is about. Number one is a person. And we shared this last uh, time. Jesus said, you search the scripture for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. If you don't come to Jesus, the Bible will end up not making any sense. Right. And, uh, and so we said this last week. If you're reading any place in the Bible, keep asking this question. Where's Jesus in this? Where's Jesus? Anybody ever see that little thing? Where's Waldo? Okay. <laughs> He's in there. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Now, why that's so important is because there are scriptures. It, it's just like a score of music. There are, there are, all of the Bible isn't emphasized. It's the same. There's the lead and then there's background music. There's, there's parts of the scripture that are that are to be emphasized and there are parts of scripture to be 
are supportive. They're, they're not the same, you know. And some people start to major on minors and they go into to legalism. And we're going to talk next week about legalism as a deadly way to, to interpret the scripture. Have you ever known anybody who just about killed somebody with scriptures? <laughs> they just applied it with the law, with, uh, the, with, with the religious attitude. And the Bible says the letter is death. But the letter with the Spirit is life. So if you just teach people the letter of the law, you can kill them. You can say, well, forget it. I could never be a Christian. <laughs> I might as well just go ahead and send me to hell now because I'll never make it anyhow. But if you see Jesus, every scripture is full of hope. Right. Uh, let me give you one example. In uh, Matthew 12, 7 through 8, the Pharisees are criticizing the disciples because they are... Uh, they're eating some grain on the Sabbath. And they're telling everyone Jesus is false because he's letting his disciples eat grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, 7, he says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned innocent people for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, does the Bible say don't pick grain on the Sabbath? Yes. But if you take that by itself without the context of Jesus, <laughs> it's just condemning someone to death. But Jesus said, you, you, you err because you don't know. You don't know me and you don't know the heart of God. And the heart of God is I love mercy more than sacrifice. Don't you remember, he says, when David ate out of the, you know, out of the temple, you know, when he was running from Saul. He says, no, you better understand grace before you try to interpret law. Mm. Or you will misinterpret scripture and you will make it a club to kill people <laughs> instead of a gift to bring people life and hope. And so we're always looking for Jesus. And how does the grace of God speak through this verse? And as we learn it, it's so important. I remember hearing a Sunday school teacher and, you know, in Sunday school, how many remember the answer is always Jesus, you know, who created you? <laughs> and one day the teacher Sunday school teacher tells this kid, hey, I want to ask you a question, guys. What's kind of furry, lives in trees and, and eats acorns? And this little boy's looking and he says, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. You know, <laughs> oh, well, anyhow. Uh, so it's about a plan. The whole Bible is about the plan of God for salvation and a purpose, redemption. Ephesians 1 tells us why the whole story of God is one story. Starts in a garden, ends in a garden. And it's about God winning back a people for himself to be with him forever. It's about a people in the Old Testament. We hear about the sons of Abraham, but in the New Testament... It's a new people created through Christ Jesus to be a living community. It's a testimony of God's power to intervene and capture people's life. Have you noticed how many stories are in the Bible about people being in captivity and bondage? It's just story after story after story. Why? Because the whole message of the Bible is Jesus is a redeemer. Whatever prison you're in, he is here to set you free. And, and that's the story of the Bible, is that the Redeemer is here. It's about God's power to deliver from darkness 
And then ultimately it's about paradise. Don't get your eyes on this earth because we're living for that day. And uh, just from a very personal point of view, and uh, you know, my brother and precious brother in Denver, you know, he's probably on his last day. And I've been on the phone all day. I'm going to Denver tomorrow, but just, we had a wonderful conversation just with his wife and said, you know, Steve, we all knew we're, we're doing everything for that day. And his day is, is here. And you don't understand life until you understand that day. Why the whole Bible is here to prepare us for our new heaven and our new earth. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, next page. The Bible is, is meant to be understood and lived by ordinary people who are completely transformed in every dimension of their life. If you want to understand the Bible, you've got to understand God wrote the Bible and He wants us to put it on the lower shelves. He doesn't want it to be a theological, complex, you know, deep, mysterious, you know. He made it to be the most practical, simple, because he said, you come as a child. <laughs> and so my, my job is, you know, theologians make the simple complicated, but real pastors try to make the complicated simple. You know, my, I, and I don't do that great. But the point is, don't think you have to be deep. Look for the simplest truth, because God's speaking that. In every passage, if you are listening, it's it's a tool. The Bible says, Second uh, Timothy two fifteen: Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker that doesn't need to be ashamed. Someone who knows how to use the word of truth. It's meant to test and verify the truth, as we've said already. It's to help us be able to explain practically and clearly to other people the hope that we have in us. And I just wanted to focus on this one. The main purpose of the Bible is to transform every part of our being. I, I think probably the most important verse on this is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, here's, here's this big idea. And that is, our belief determines our behavior. Uh, Jesus would say this, if you know the truth, you are free. Why? Because what you believe determines how you live. And, and so, as we've said around here many times, there's two most important things you will ever do in your life. Number one is believe in Jesus, because that's how you get to go to heaven. But then the second one is believe like Jesus because that's how your life changes. When you believe what Jesus believed about everything in your life, you will begin to think like he thinks. And when you begin to think like he thinks, you'll begin to be healed by what he says to you. And as you're healed by what he says to you, you will begin to change how you behave because it'll be the most natural thing in your life to want to live what you now know is is true that's why we don't try to change people from the outside in with a lot of laws we are going after your beliefs playing from my iphone 
Amen to you. And let me just say this. Let me give you an example. If I really believe in the midst of a lot of the chaos I've been going on, I, I had to ask, do I really believe God works all things together for good to those who love God? Another verse I had memorized was Psalm 76.10. Human defiance in the work of the enemy only hand enhances your glory, Lord, for you use it as a weapon against the enemy. And see, if, 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 I, don't, if I believe that when all, when all life crumbles, I respond completely different than someone who doesn't believe that. I can forget. Yeah. Excuse me. One of my favorite verses is John 13, 3, where Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and where he was going back to God, he lived that way. And that's the way he wants us to live, too. This is, as you're saying that, yeah. that's what came to my mind. Yeah, Melanie's confirming that with John thirteen three, that Jesus said as you know as a father. So I mean, everything he saw, he interpreted. I think of how Joseph could forgive his brothers, and other people can't forgive anyone. Why? Yeah. Because Joseph believed something different than most people believe. Right. Most people believe my brothers ruined my life, yeah. <laughs> and they're dirty, crappy people <laughs> who deserve punishment. And yet Joseph believed what they meant for evil. God was so much bigger. He could turn it for good. So Job, uh, Joseph could say, I forgive you. And then Job, Joseph could see his life turn around. And what his brothers did actually caused him to be promoted to prime minister of Egypt. So that's just an example of what you believe. Now, here's the key. How you believe the Bible is what matters. <laughs> Not how much of the Bible you know. Uh, I like to say that this way, Hebrews 4.2 says, look at all the Israelites in the wilderness. They heard the truth and it did them no good. They died in the wilderness. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith in the hearts of those who heard. They heard the word, but they didn't believe the word. And it did not do them any good. So what I tell people is every day you decide either to bring, you know, to bring what you believe about God down to the level of your circumstances and feelings and experience or you determine to raise your feelings and experience up to the level of God's word. You either interpret your problems in light of God or you interpret God in light of your problems. How you interpret and believe determines everything. And so what we want to do is not just to make you Bible smart. We want to challenge you to be Bible believers and if you will it will change everything I, I someone wrote this the the whole vigor of your spiritual life will be an exact proportion to where the Bible the place the Bible holds in your thoughts and your beliefs your lives your whole spiritual life will be determined by this one thing where does the word of God what impact does the Word of God have on what you believe today? Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter. But what impact does the Word God? Is it the ultimate truth? Let every man be a liar, but God's Word is true. You know, is it the defining, deciding foundation of your life that everything in your life 
will change for God's glory. So in your notes, I want us to make a declaration. We like to make declarations because we said last week, one of the ways the Bible goes from your head to your heart is when you declare it. The Bible, you know, the Bible says, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. So will you help me read this? Let's just read it together. A Bible declaration. Whatever I need the word to be for me, it is. The word is in Jesus and Jesus is in the word. It is the way I invite him to be near in all of my life. The word is a mirror that shows me the true nature of my soul. It is a sword to defend me. It is a light to guide me. It is water and food to refresh and revive me. It is greater than any counselor or therapist to illuminate and restore me. It is truth to clarify what is confusing and fuzzy in my life. It is the encouragement I need to lift me and give me hope. It is medicine to heal me. It is armor to cover me. It is a covenant to declare to me my rights and privileges in Christ. It is my best friend to console me. It is my telescope to see beyond all present situations. It is a refiner's soap to cleanse my heart and mind. It is a rod that disciplines me and knocks down my pride. It is the morning star above the storm, the unmovable, unchanging truth that guides me. It is the judge that tests and discerns every motive and thought. It is the final verdict on what and will be the outcome of my life's circumstances. It is ISAB. It is the arm that wakes me from the nightmare of false beliefs and circumstances. It is the warning bell to keep me from falling off the edge of the cliff. It is the appetizer that makes me more and more hungry for God. It is the exercise machine that makes my soul strong and fit for the challenges of this difficult journey. It is the score key with the answer to all of the quizzes and tests of life. It is the shield that keeps my mind from opening doors to the images, temptations that would wreck me. It's the rock solid foundation for life. It is God's personal promise book to me, describing in detail how he will come through for me in every situation. It is God's love letter that awakens my soul to how valued and cherished I am by God. It shows me what it means to be married and adopted by him. It is God's prayer showing me what to pray for. It is the path to everything I really want in life and everything that can't be taken away. It is the seed that I sow and water inside of me that produces the fruit of life, love, life, peace, and joy. It's the revelation of the divine nature of God that is inside of me. The very DNA, genetic code of God, revealing who I really am. It is the light that differentiates between my soul, spirit, and flesh. It is the oxygen to my heart that lets me breathe spiritual life and live at full capacity in Christ. It is the tree of life in the garden of my spirit that silences the tempter and brings me back to intimate fellowship with the Father. It is the verdict on every issue, the power to cast down every evil thought, dismantle condemning arguments, expose fears as foolish and unnecessary. It is the reality and fact that describes the principles that tell us exactly what works and won't. It is the final verdict on Satan and his demons declaring and enforcing their total defeat and shutting down their activity. It is the leash that restrains my tongue, my eyes, and my heart from destruction. It is honey on my lips that brings exquisite delight to my spiritual taste buds. It is our heritage, the sacred link we share with the apostles, saints, prophets, and overcomers of all centuries. 
It is the life-saving surgical tools by which God does the miracle of transplanting a stony heart with a fresh new heart of flesh. It is the gold that fills my spiritual bank account with more gold and riches than all of the world contains. It is the door to a world of the Spirit where God's wonders and glory come alive to me and the invisible world of faith becomes more real than this physical world of doubt. This is my Bible. Yeah, I kind of get long-winded, sorry. Anyhow, I'm just trying to hammer home if we could just really get this in the right place in our life, it would solve a hundred terrible problems we have right now. <laughs> Amen. So how do you read the Bible? And, and again, this will be some review. And, and then I just want us to do an exercise at our table uh, with a, the shortest book in the Bible. Uh, well, maybe between that and third John. But Philemon, we're going to look at Philemon. Uh, understand the goal. Number one, the, the goal, as we said, is transformation. It's not how much you get into the Word. It's how much the Word gets into you. And again, when you get ready to read the Bible, uh, how much are you prepared to be changed? If you're not interested in being changed, the Word won't change you. <laughs> but I, I like to say sometimes when I start to read the Bible, God Come and fix this mess. <laughs> uh, you know what weird thoughts are inside of me, what mixed up motives, and you can untangle it all. So let the Word of God come. You know, Word of God speak. Remember that song? Mm -hmm. Let it come down like rain. Let it pour over me right now. I want maximum transformation which comes from maximum internalization of every possible word into my soul. Next page. We want to learn to exercise our whole being in the Word. We want to learn how to say it, how to sing it, how to imagine it, how to share it, how to memorize it, how to write it, how to compose it, draw it, dream it. <laughs> Just get completely absorbed in His Word. So how do you read? So we're starting sort of with read. Read for understanding. And so I always say, uh, preview, do, and read, review, meaning prepare God, I pray, please prepare my heart. Let the word today change me. It's simple as that. That just prepares you, right? It just gets you kind of ready. And then you, you read it. And then after you read it, you review it. And you do it over and over until you get your word for the day. <laughs> I don't ever, tr I try my very best not to go to work until I have my word for the day. What is it that you wanted to say? And I found out if you get enough words for the day, someday you know a lot of the word. <laughs> it just happens. So we're going to go through this real quick. You sort of survey the big picture of it. Now that we have the version Bible, you got so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes I like to just listen, but listening is my first step. Just listen to the Bible read to you. So you just kind of get the whole feel of it. Uh, you know, you can, you can actually, I could finish the whole book of Proverbs in just two exercise times, <laughs> my little walk around my area. So you can, you can listen to vast amounts of the Word. And then you, you go back to, to chapters, to sections, to paragraphs. Have the right tools. And again, 
I wrote this a long time ago, and I used to have five books when I read. Now all you need is a smartphone. But uh, if, you, if you're interested, I use Bible Hub all the time. There's Blue Letter Bible. There's so many incredible Bible apps and version. But, but the two I use the most are, are Bible Hub. And, and the reason I use it a lot is because you can instantly, after you decide it, you can go look at the Greek, the Hebrew, and five great commentaries. Wow. <laughs> it's got more information than you could ever use. But look at the expositor's commentary. I, you know, some commentaries go way out there. But I like the ones that, uh, that are really just about interpreting the, the original language. Those are the ones that help me the most. Um, there are some, some very good ones. The pulpit commentary is tremendous. And, uh, all, you know, obviously they have one called the NIV commentary. All those are good. But, but the biggest thing is that you just are going to try to understand it yourself. So use multiple translations. Again, the Bible app is so good because you can read it. Uh, one of the things I do when I read through the Bible every year is I read it through it in a different uh, version. So this year is the message. This year I'm reading. But I, I sometimes get lost in the message, so I have to go read it and, you know, me too. But, uh, but you know, get, get, it's just so refreshing to read it from three or four angles. It just expands. Uh, something comes out in those different uh, angles. One of the tools, and if you did the Bible project last time, let me just give you this. This is... This is such gold. If you go on, on YouTube and you go to the Bible Project and you put any book in the Bible, they will give you a five-minute overview of the book that is worth its weight in gold. You'll just there have saved an hour of uh, commentaries. <laughs> because the Bible Project, they are just incredibly concise. He draws it in pictures. And he says, this is the book of Job. And you got all of the historical background, literary meanings. You got the, the background. It's just, it's just, I just love it so much. Um, as you do your overview read, mark what's good to you. I don't, again, however you mark your Bible. Uh, I, I always just love the idea that somebody who has a Bible that's falling apart is someone whose life is staying together. So don't worry about uh, marking. Now, nowadays, people read on the phone, so I do both. I've got this old Bible. It is so marked up. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to read this, and then i got to go look at what I wrote in 1994. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, some of it's okay. But anyhow, the key to everything is questions. And I call it ask the right questions and reread and reread. <laughs> so on the next page, one of my, uh, I'll just give you this. There's so much here. Um, I'll just quote this. This is later in your notes by Rudyard Kipling. I, I, I wrote this down because I always loved it. It said, I keep six honest men serving me that taught me all I knew. What and why and when and where and who. <laughs> if you got those six friends, man, you are in business. And so I'm always asking who, why, what, where, when. And then it's not here, but my favorite question is so what? <laughs> mm. Or the way I like to put it, how will my life be forever changed because of what I just read? If I can't find something that's going to change my life. I haven't read it right. So 
How many know you can even read Leviticus and God can speak to you? <laughs> you know, anything if you have a heart uh, to hear his word. Um, let me just give you this word. This is one of my favorite. There's different questions. Is there principles, their perspective? Those On the next page seven, you'll see a lot of questions. Rick Warren gave this little acronym that, that I've used. And I do this while I'm jogging or exercising. Take any, take any verse. Uh, I don't think they're any good. But uh, it, it's, it won't take All right. Uh, space. Pets. <laughs> this is deep, folks. This is... <laughs> This is where the whole class right here. Okay, if you can remember space pets. All right, let me fill it in for you. S stands for, is there a sin to avoid? <laughs> Did I just read about a sin to avoid? P stands for promise to claim. Promise to claim. A stands for an attitude to adjust. <laughs> is there an attitude this verse is telling me to adjust? C stands for command to keep. Is there a command to keep? E stands for an error or lie to be aware of. Is there an error or lie that this verse is telling me to be aware of? P stands for a prayer. Is there a prayer to pray? Is there a prayer to pray? E stands for example. Is there an example to follow? T stands for, is there a truth to stand on? Is there a truth to stand on? And then S stands for, is there a story to remember? <laughs> is there a story to remember? Anyhow, what I'll do sometimes, I'll just take any verse. Okay, you just, boom, you know, just read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'll say, hmm, is there a sin to avoid? Yeah, fear. Fear not that I won't. Uh, yeah. Is there, again, is there a promise to claim? Yes, I will be with you. I will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, what does that mean in my life? You know, Is there an attitude? Yeah, peace. Rest. Lay down. Chill out, dude. Whatever. You know, is there, a, is there a command? Follow. Follow. Is there a, an error to watch out for? Yeah. Keep your eyes on Jesus while you're eating in the presence of your enemies. Don't look at your enemies. <laughs> you know, that'll be a big mistake. Is there a prayer? Yeah, the whole thing is a prayer. The Lord, you be my shepherd, you know. Is there an example? Yeah, follow Jesus like a good shepherd. Is there a truth to stand on? Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Mm -hmm. Is there a story? Now I said, how, how has God used? And then I can tell you a hundred stories. I was at a bedside of a family who was losing their only child. And as I quoted that, that moment, God's spirit. So I could tell you a hundred stories, but all of a sudden the word goes way deep inside of me. It's not just, oh, that's a good Bible verse to put on my wall. No, now I've untangled it down to what it does for me personally in every area of my life. I wanted to... There's several others, but I wanted to go down on page 7 to Psalm 19. I thought this was really, really important. David talks about it and, and how... And I just want to talk about learn to read the Word of God in a way that it corrects you, okay? I like to say it this way. 
When you go to the Bible, yes, be cuddly and be warm, but then pretend you're at the dentist and go, ah, okay. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, he's got something to pull out. Uh, yeah, look at somebody next to you, so you, you need to get some something pulled out. Just let him know, lady. But look what it says. Who can understand his errors and cleanse from secret faults? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of the great transgression, which is to rebel against God and act like he doesn't exist. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Jesus, when he spoke of the word, and I could give you all those verses, but John 15, he said about abiding in him, he said, he said, you can be cleansed by my word. But every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit, he prunes it. Now, he says, look, would you rather get cleansed? In other words, would you like to get a nice warm bath or would you like to get plucked? Would you like to get pruned? God's heart is always that you would be delivered not by regret, not by having to be swallowed by a whale, not by all of the hard tests of life. If you could just get cleansed every day by the Word, then He doesn't have to use all the heavy stuff on you. And what a joy to learn every day. God, pull out the little weeds. How many know it's better to pull out the weeds when they're little than when you're on national TV or something? Before, Before it makes the social media. Before it turns into an argument with your family. Before it gets you to fall back into lust. Before you get into a compromising position and lose trust with people who've been faithful customers. Before you get to any of that, do the hard work. I, I, someone said it this way. They said, you know, cancer in its pre-cancer stage is very, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very hard to see, but it's very easy to treat. Yeah. But cancer in its advanced stage, when it metastasizes, it's very easy to see and very hard to treat. The point is, when do you want to treat cancer? Early. Early, right. When do you want to treat sin? After you get the divorce, after you lose the job. What what if you really treated sin preconceived? Before it became sin, when it was just an ugly thought and a bad attitude. What if you let the Word of God every day, and and I just say this because to me in my spiritual disciplines, this is the most important thing. God, if you can cleanse me now, I'm not going to have a horrible argument with my wife later. (laughs) Or or I'm not going to, you know, get pulled over by the police. Whatever I could think of. But my point is, there is nothing as valuable as embracing the we call it the sword of the spirit. Lord, just do that little surgery. Just cut it out while it's a little tiny, ugly, little miniature mold and so it never becomes a horrible, ugly, cursed bondage in my life. Amen? Amen. Let me just take you to a practical, and I don't have time to, to teach, so we'll teach the rest next week, but the, the lesson we talked about last week, I just want to give you one more example. If you have your Bibles, you can t- turn to the to the book of Philemon, but I just wanted you to discuss Philemon because it's one of the simplest books in 
you could discuss a whole book of the Bible in 15 minutes, okay? Um, but here's what we're going to be learning more about. Number one, read for understanding. Read for understanding, meaning you're going to try to ask as many questions as you can. What, what, when, where, why. Interpret it in terms of... <coughs> Of personal social relevance. You're trying to interpret this. Where is something that's going on in this passage the same as something going on in my world today? That's the interpretive step. This is what it said. This is who it was talking about. This is the context. This is the... And we'll learn a lot about it. It doesn't mean something different to us than it meant to them, but it could mean something more specific. But you need to first know, well, what did it mean when it was first spoken? Yeah. Before you run to look for an application, you know. So this, this whole idea, I don't know if I told this last time, but I poke, says, I need a word from God, and he just opens the Bible, and he points to something, and it's Judas hung himself, you know. And he says, no, Lord, that's not what I need. He opens it, pushes it again, he says, go and do like work. No, no, no. But anyhow... The idea is, no, the Bible is to be handled deliberately and within context and so forth. So let me just give you, since you don't have time to go deep into this, I'll just give you the historical context of the book of Philemon. What would I do? So I'm mastering the art of observation. So first I'm going to ask who. Who is Paul, who's Philemon, and who is Onesimus? So that's the first thing you'll notice is there's three names in this book. Paul is writing this. Philemon is, by the way, he's a wealthy man in the city of Colossae. And he's one of the elders there. And he's an owner of slaves. And one of the slaves that he owned was named Onesimus. And the two of them got in a big argument and Onesimus ran away, which was in those days a capital crime. But Onesimus ends up where Paul is. Paul's in a jail cell. And he ends up in Paul's jail cell. And he gets saved. Paul leaves him to war. And he becomes Paul's associate pastor in jail. <laughs> What's the circumstance? Well, the circumstance is he's got this dicey little thing. How am I going to help Onesimus and Philemon reconcile? <laughs> this is going to take some really crafty craftsmanship, artsy, <laughs> negotiation. Because Paul can't stand the ideal idea of a division in the body of Christ. No, the body of Christ has to be people who are reconciled, even if they stole from you, even if they ran away from you. So that's the dilemma. How does he do this? So let's just look real quick, and then I want you to discuss it. But in, in, in Philemon, you talk about starting off with a positive. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Paul is the master of this, you know. Uh, if you want to learn diplomacy, here you go. <laughs> Paul, Philemon is right before Hebrews, right after Titus. All right, so he goes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Philemon, our dear friend, our fellow worker, our sister, Archibald, our fellow worker. He's just bringing up all the warmest feeling to get back. Grace to you and peace from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. You'll have a full understanding of every beautiful thing inside of you in Jesus. 
So he starts with incredible positive affirmation and he starts with prayer. And then he, he's going to use the key word. I praise God for our sharing. And, and in the New International, other version that says our partnership. Now the word partnership, koinonia, is the key word in all of the book of Philemon. <laughs> and he's going to use this over and over because the word there is our complete oneness because of Jesus Christ. Our koinonia, our we are now, by the cross of Jesus, reconciled people. So he's going to say, we're partners. Yes. Okay, I want to talk to you about someone you don't really feel like being a partner with. Okay. <laughs> You've refreshed the saints. And then verse 8, he says, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do this, rather I appeal. Man, that's a tremendous thought right there. Mm-hmm. When, when do you tell your kids what to do and when do you appeal to them? Mm-hmm. That's a, a brilliant strategy right there. No, I'm just appealing to you. I'm not laying the law down on you. Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. My child. Just as I, Paul, an old man and the prisoner of Jesus, I appeal to you for my son. Now, in this interesting language, Onesimus is not this Christian fellow. No, my son. Everything is family. You're going to read this. He's going to, he's going to recontextualize the whole problem and saying, hey, guys, we're family. We're, we're not in a business arrangement. We're family. He became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and me. Hey, wait a second. This guy that you thought was a ripoff, he's not only a blessing, he could be a blessing to you. I am sending to him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent. You see the honor. How do you negotiate hard and difficult conversations? How do you handle conflict? How do you deal with church, potential church splits? Honor, 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 honor. Believe the best. Speak as highly as you can of all people. Humble yourself. I want this to be spontaneous. I'm not trying to force you. I'm not coming with a heavy hand. And then he gives this perspective of faith. Oh, I love it. Perhaps the reason he was separated you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. And here's a great thought. Maybe some of the hurts and separations, God has a bigger purpose. You haven't thought of that yet. Maybe you just thought about how bad. What if God has a bigger purpose? But no longer as a slave, but as a better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's dear, very dear to me, but he's even dear to you, both as a man and a brother in the Lord. So if you consider him a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. There is the word partner again. If he's done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention you owe me your very self, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) How many of you? He's got this guy. All right. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. See the honor there? I know you'll do the right thing. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room. By the way, we're going to have a big family reunion because I hope to be restored to you and answer your prayers. Epaphras greets you and so does Mark and Aristicus and all your friends. Grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Uh, so what would I observe? You know, just obvious. So always ask, where is Jesus? Now, what's so interesting, the only epistle Jesus isn't mentioned 
on Paul in any of his epistles. And yet, Jesus is everywhere. Well, where is Jesus? Jesus is Paul telling the gospel when he says, I will pay the debt. I will pay whatever he owes. What is he saying? Christians can reconcile like no one else can because Jesus paid the debt. Wow. He canceled the debt. We don't come based on worthiness. We come based on a work that happened. It's always the cross. It's always the gospel. It's always the cross. Now respond in light of the cross. Well, what does the cross do? Not only does it give forgiveness, it makes two people one. It makes us a part of the one family. We're no longer enemies. We're no longer Jews or Gentiles. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, we are one. We're family. We're kingdom. We have one heart. We have one spirit. And so take a minute and just discuss. And here's some questions. Take one minute. Just write down some thoughts as I ask some questions. See if just jot something that might come to your mind. How could this apply to my life today? Lord, give us truth. Give us insight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on our social media. You can find more information about courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website, hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.